0: This is Jonathan Kregel for the Unleash the Kregel podcast. I want to thank you for being here today. And today I'm going to jump right in uh, without a lot of fanfare. Uh, today I'm going to talk about grief. And uh, it may be a multi part episode. Uh, this will be kind of a, a, a one episode where I'll cover quite a bit of ground because. There may be those who only listen to this episode, and I want to reach them. But I will have follow up episodes uh, in the coming weeks to talk a little bit more detail and so forth uh, regarding uh, grief and uh, the grieving process, but also uh, some tips and, and, and such to, to both uh, things to think about for those who are grieving and those who are uh, alongside friends, uh, other folks who aren't sure what exactly to do for a person who's grieving. So let's jump right into it. So when it comes to grief, um, I have, uh, I guess you could say, unfortunately, uh, a lot of experience with grief, and I think I alluded to that in my previous episode uh, about uh, my dad being killed uh, in an accident when I was 16. Uh, I've lost a brother, my mom's mom. My grandmother died uh, from a very quick illness two weeks before I was born. Uh, my mom, as far as grief, not so much loss of life, but my mom had Parkinson's disease uh, from the time of, uh, which she. Got diagnosed around age 38, and she died at 82. So you can figure out and add up um, how long she had it. Over half her life, she had Parkinson's disease and the effects of it. Um, my da- like I said, my dad was killed. Uh, I've lost a brother uh, who one of my sons is named after. And uh, in the last three months or so, I've lost a son. Uh, also have uh, uh, family members, extended family, daughter-in-law whose mother just passed away suddenly, and uh, so death has touched my family and me uh, very closely. Certainly, there's grief for other things, uh, you know, loss of opportunities, loss of job, uh, loss of relationship. Um, I also am divorced, so I've experienced that sort of death of a marriage uh, uh, experience. But the, the one area I want to really focal, uh, focus in on, uh, because I think it's something that's talked about, but I think it's important to me to discuss to my group of, you know, you know my circle of friends and family and those of you that happen to be listening is specifically on death Uh, simply because it's something that we don't want to talk about, we don't want to think about, but when it happens, we need to have the tools to manage and to go through the process well. And so grief is sort of liked to me, uh, and I've I've tried to explain or uh, try to think about it in a way that would make sense to people who maybe haven't gone through this, haven't lost a parent or a family member or a child, how to exactly explain it. And really, in some ways, it's sort of like you're out in the middle of the ocean and, you know, grief or, or, or this experience of death happens and you uh, begin the grieving process instantly and it's like your, your uh, boat has, gets completely smashed. And you're in the water, you're alone. Uh, you see sort of an island out in the distance, but you're not sure if you're going to be able to be able to get to it. And all around you are the pieces of the life that you once knew. And we didn't choose, just like a person doesn't choose, to have their boat smashed during a storm and destroyed. Uh, we don't choose... Um, the experience of losing someone and so the problem is is just like when you get dumped into the water you don't have a choice i mean your choice is really um either fight to survive fight to um, uh, continue on towards that island towards you know staying above water or letting yourself drown and so what we have to evaluate is not whether or not we're going to be able to choose to go through this or not, but how do we go through the process of grief? How do we um, try to not just pick up the pieces of our old life, but manage the fact that this person who is very important to us is now gone and that our life as we knew it, just like the boat that we were you know, happily sailing in uh, or floating in the water, uh, happy as, as can be, is gone And now we have to find a way to recover from that. One thing with uh, grief is everybody's experience is different. There are similarities. So when I was growing up, I have a brother who's a doctor, and uh, I remember very distinctly him reading and uh, having to read uh, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's book on death and dying. And and it's you know one of the books that they read or I believe they still read, uh, should be read for those in the medical community. But it's a it's a great read for all of us to read, because what it gives us is sort of a framework, a basic framework. We you know we know, but it's the first real framework of how to go through grieving, and so. What I'll read is just you you may have heard this, but just uh, so we're all on the same page, basically the steps of it are. Shock and denial is the first step. When the death or when the person's lost, uh, you go through shock and denial. Uh, the denial of them being gone, the shock, just almost the numbing effect of uh, that, that experience of hearing that they're no longer here, that they're no longer alive, uh, that, that they're gone. The second step is pain and guilt. And then the third step is anger and bargaining. Uh, next step is depression and reflection. And finally, acceptance. These are general frameworks and general things that we can look at and evaluate in a framework. Now, this is a, as far as, as going through grief. It doesn't specify. This was written more for uh, originally for those who are experiencing death and dying in the process of that but this these can be very similar to the loss of work the loss of a relationship and so on so shock and denial so that it's the initial reaction that we have and and our body has a flight or fight mechanism but what happens is physiologically our body goes into a, a, almost a shock when we experience you know a, a jolt is different than the norm. So we have sort of a norm, normal rhythm that we go through. Uh, each of our rhythms are a little bit different, but it's our normal rhythm. And when we hear news uh, of, of a person close to us dying, or news of them having, you know, uh, a disease, we get we end up in shock. Our body goes into shock to protect ourselves and our psyche, uh, and and basically our well being. But the difficulty of that is that we still, we have to be able to manage that in a way that is healthy. And so when you go through shock and denial, you, you basically are saying, no, I don't believe it. I don't believe they have this. I don't believe I have this. I don't believe they're gone. Um, it's just yesterday they were alive. I was talking to them, just, you know, as I related about my dad. Uh, I had a fight with him the night before, made up apologized, told him I loved him, went to bed and that was the last time I saw him alive um, the very next day he was hit and died uh, 24 hours after we had had our fight and um, and you know, makeup so to speak, and um, uh, coming to kind of closure with one another in a good way. And so I went through shock and, and denial and, and the other interesting thing is if, if you do not go through these these steps, in, you know, in order, basic, basically, I'll say in order. I mean, there can be some adjustments to it, but and some could take longer to go through the steps than others, uh, depending on each person and their situation. But I can tell you this unequivocally. If you don't go through all these steps, they'll just wait for you to go through them later. And so in my case, I didn't go through all these steps when my dad was killed, uh, and, and there were some reasons why, I believe, and through counseling that I, I learned uh, why. Awesome. Uh, and I'll help you, those that uh, are, are trying to assist those that are going through grief, I'll give you some tips on what to not say or what not to do or so forth, because uh, we can actually contribute to stunting a person's growth and, and processing and going through the process of grief um, without even you know unwittingly. Uh, so uh, I'll help you with that also. But basically, you're going to go through these steps. In my case, my dad was killed at 16. I didn't go through the steps of grief for my dad until I went through my divorce counseling and, and was in counseling for my divorce 20 years later. And so I can unequivocally tell you, don't try to speed or gloss over because grief will sit there and wait until you fully process it. And so uh, I, I, it's really critical that you understand that and uh, we don't just, you know, try to make it go away quickly. Because uh, without the grief, uh, we don't have a, a chance to have full closure for ourselves and even that, that loved one that's, that's lost or gone. A second is pain and guilt. Once you start to realize that the person's truly gone, there will be intense pain. So now the shock's worn off and it's sort of like an injury that's happened that you will now feel the, the, the pain. And you can try to dull that pain through alcohol, through drugs, through uh, dangerous activities or activity or any number of things. But that dull pain will be there. You also might go through some guilt about like if you'd had a fight with somebody and that was the last time you saw them and then the next day they... They died or they're gone. You might have guilt about things you didn't do, didn't say, time you didn't spend with them, things that you wish you had done differently. So those will kind of combine together, and it's a really uh, precarious time because there's not the shock to offset you know, you're doing you doing something dangerous to yourself or to others. Um, but it also is a case where we can put ourselves into really dangerous situations if we don't have assistance around us In this, as we go through this part of, of grief. And so I, I equate the pain, for those who've not experienced it, to me, uh, and it could be different for every person, but when, when the shock wears off, it's like a dull ache right below my sternum and goes right into my, my stomach and belly area. And it's a dull uh, pain, but it's an intense pain. It's, it it kind of goes between burning and dull. And it's, it's everything I can do to uh, keep moving forward, whether it's waking up, whether it's uh, going about my day in a normal process. It's uh, in some semblance of, of more than just wanting to simply, you know, sleep and hope that the pain goes away. Uh, but the reality is that pain needs to be dealt with just like an injury. Uh, when, when you lose someone, it's like a scar occurs on your body. That scar could, you know, you could have scars from surgery, but you have the scar of this intense, intense wounding of yourself and, and, and your being uh, through this loss. And that, Scar isn't going to go away, but if you don't deal with it properly, it will infect infect the rest of who you are, who you're being, uh, and can infect your quality of life and so forth. And so what we really want to be able to do, just like we would deal with an actual wound to our body, we need to go through the process of grief to heal that area. In my case, I, I would say that I have wounds covering quite a bit of my body through loss and yet each one of those now through proper understanding proper counseling proper you know self care and, and being aware of that those wounds are scars that I can I could look at you know others don't see them but I know they're there but I look at them now as not trying to avoid the scar but as a reminder of that loss. And that's what we're trying to do. The same as we would recover from a, a surgery or an injury, we go through the same thing in the midst of grieving a loss. So next is anger and bargaining. So anger and bargaining is the next step that you'll go through. And it's the, finally when of the... Uh, Uh, shock is all gone and and you've kind of gotten through the pain and guilt. Now you're angry. You're angry at, you know, whether you're angry at God, you're angry at life, you're angry at the person who may have hurt or, you know, led to the death of your, you know, uh, family member or friend, Uh, maybe the family member yourself, you know, they didn't take care of themselves. They didn't do the things they were supposed to, and they died. And you're angry about that. Uh, But a combination of that is then also bargaining and, Uh, Usually, this isn't a case of grief in a death because there's nothing really to bargain. But if you're dealing with grief as far as uh, cancers and and sicknesses and illnesses or sudden traumatic things, you'll bargain. Hey, I'll do this if the person gets cured or or angry. Why do they have to go through this? And again, we have to go through this process because you, you can't just be a robot. You, you would be angry that, that somebody didn't take care of themselves or that somebody got injured uh, through no fault of their own or whatever. And so you need to do that. And, and one of the things that freed me was um, in counseling I, I, could, I for a long time I couldn't wrap my head around it, but when my counselor you know, had me go ahead and write a, a letter to my dad about you know, about dying. And and I thought, well, it wasn't his fault. He didn't choose to. But when you write that and express out the feelings of the anger, it's not directed at the person. It's directed at the action of being gone, that loss. And we all feel it, but it's like in society, we're supposed to just put that down. And and we have so many things that seem to be supposed supposed to help us Manage uh, our grief, but they end up actually stunting or hurting us by being free to be angry at at, at you know uh, a person for dying. It's okay, uh, and and you will then release that, and then you can turn and and have full love towards them. Uh, again, I think we we sometimes lose sight of the fact that we we're directing anger at the person. We're directing at, you know we're saying, hey, I'm angry you died. Not, I'm angry at you for dying. And there's a big difference, but um, I'm angry at you for dying is different and is freeing versus I'm angry, you know, I'm angry at you uh, dying. So uh, I hope you can see kind of the the gist of uh, the difference of those that one is directed at the, the action, the other is directed at the person. The first one's healthy the second one is not healthy and we want to make sure to go through that process in that way next uh, step four is depression and reflection that's the part where you kind of go back through the, the next step of you had you had uh, shock you had pain you're now angry and now after all that kind of battling there's this sort of depression of, in a reality, the reflection on that, okay, this has happened. This is going on and I have to be able to manage it. I have to manage going on in life without this person, uh, a father, a mother, uh, a spouse, a child. And, And so, but there's that period again, sort of that, I would say, precarious part where you need to have counseling, you need to have people around you because it's easy to slip into a, a bad depression, a depression that's debilitating. It's okay to feel that kind of sadness and that that okay, this is reality now. Uh, that's healthy. It's a good thing. And then finally, we get to acceptance. Okay, this has happened. You 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 accept. Hey, they're gone. Uh, they're not going to be back. They're not coming back. And I need to move on in my life, not forgetting. Uh, or stop to stop thinking about them, but simply accepting the fact that this is reality now. And also, uh, I think the other thing we have to accept is that as we go through this process of grief, if, if other people aren't directly involved with this situation, if it's not their family member, their child, their whatever, they'll feel sadness, they'll feel bad for you. They may grieve some, but their life is going to go a lot quicker. They're not going to go through the steps of grief like you do. And it's important to understand that because, again, life needs to move forward. But, but you have to understand that the rest of society is going to move on. And they'll be reminded of, those close to you will be reminded on the anniversary almost always when you bring it up. Like maybe you make a post or something or you have a note that, hey, I'm... I'm going to go to the gravesite of my my parent or my child or whatever, or this is the anniversary of my child's death uh, or my parent's death. Then people will feel sad again and they'll have that, I'm really sorry, or hey, I loved your parent or whatever. But you, as the person who is directly involved, are going to go through this process and you're going to remember for the rest of your life. So those are the steps. I think what... Well, and we could talk about each one, and I, I probably want some episodes to talk about it. I think the very first one is shock and denial. I know that when uh, each experience I've gone through, uh, I've gotten better, not not faster, but better at managing each of these steps. And so I'll, I'll talk about my most recent experience, and that's my son. Uh, he's 25 years old. I'm going to be 26 in a few months. And he was autistic, um, and was in a group home, and he had been dealing with, with some health issues. But he was a big, strong, six foot two, two hundred pound, or close to two hundred pound kid, a uh, young man actually, or man. And, and but he was dealing with some health issues, and was struggling with those. And what it basically ended up happening is he had some episodes where he would just ha- have pain, pain in his head, pain in his body. And when you're autistic, especially a non, you know, didn't communicate verbally, managing that is kind of, you just kind of have to let it run its course, or you can sedate them and make them basically just sit there in in a chair, not really functioning. But if you're going to let them live, you have to, they had to go through the process of letting this pain, you know manifest itself and when it manifested itself it had to be dealt with All well, the way to deal with it was to let him safely move around well basically n- n- not all the details are are exactly clear there there's some unknowns just simply testing doesn't show it but in essence he he had an episode fell asleep finally about 1 or 2 a.m and they went back to check on him to give him his medication about seven thirty ish in the morning, and they found he was non-responsive and had been had died basically shortly after he fell asleep. Well, the shock of that I found out I, I happened to find out about it on a Saturday morning, and I was doing other stuff, cheering on a friend who's you know competing and qualifying for a uh, for for cross CrossFit Games qualifications, and I happened to see my I happened to not see my phone when I got the notifications and and such. And so I missed that by an hour when I finally went out and got a hold of folks and and such about it. I didn't expect it to be that my son had died. And when I got it, my first response was disbelief, shock, and an emotion of just tears, uh, both of of trying to help him uh, with, you know, his life and managing even from a distance. He was in a different state. but. That emotion as a parent, that sheer overwhelming pain and shock, hit me, and and I think that's what you. I don't know that I dealt with denial because I think I dealt with enough loss that I wasn't in denial. He was gone. It just was. He was fine. Everything seemed to be working fine over the you know previous week, and then suddenly you get the news he's gone. That's it. He's gone. There isn't a chance for him to get healing over his autism. There's not a chance for him to go have a a long life. There's not a chance for me to see him again. He's just, he's gone. And that shock and denial uh, was very intense for him. You know, when I have close family and friends who are, you know, who are gone, it's the same thing. You, you. When you finally hear, even if you know that they're on the verge of death, or or maybe they're in the hospital recovering, or, or trying to recover, and, and maybe they're hooked up to machines, there's still that hope. There's still the hope that they can be cured. There's still the hope that they're going to come out of this. And when the news comes that they're gone, uh, there is a you know, certainly sadness, but there's also that bit of sh- there's that shock and denial of they're gone. We want to fix things. Uh, that's in our nature as humans to, to fix things. And death and loss are something that we can't fix. That what we can do is learn to manage all of the things that come after it. So we could talk more about these steps, but I think I think the important part is to understand those. Now, everybody's going to go through these processes a little bit different. Some will take a little longer. One suggestion I have for you, if you're uh, someone who is, uh, even if you aren't experiencing loss right now, uh, I would definitely say that the first thing you need to do is you need to reach out to someone. If you get news of a loss or preparing for a loss, you need to have in place someone you're going to call immediately and get a hold of them to share the news. We need to share our loss. We share our good news. We need to share the losses also. That also puts you in play for the idea that someone out there, you're not left alone because it's one of the most uh, lonely, intense, emotional uh, situations that we'll ever experience as humans. Uh, Certainly, if you've ever had a breakup, you've ever had a loss of a relationship, you know how intense the feeling of loss is. Imagine the loss of a loved one someone close to us, but in this case, it's permanent. And and, and so as it, it's permanent in a relationship, but you can renew that. You can find a new one. You can rebuild a new one through a lot of you know counseling and change and so forth. When it comes to death, it's final. It, they're gone. So like we have a will set up uh, in case of our death, who are we going to call that uh, is going to be the people that are, are on our list when we get this kind of news. I have a list of people that I call first. I call my priest first. Uh, certainly, if it's family related, I call my family, get a hold of family first, like give them the news, my kids, uh, and so forth. And then my next call is to, to my priest. And then there's a few other family uh, fam- or friends who I will contact and inform them it's in place that way i just know what needs to go as far as steps if you don't you will be left alone and you can't have that at this point so my first suggestion is make sure you have a list of who you're going to call if something goes wrong in case of emergency you have a list for that have have a a group that you're going to call in order uh, in case of uh, death or in case of a uh, situation of potential loss or, or a, a grief process uh, situation. The next thing I want to suggest to you is that you, if, if and when you get news of loss, the first thing you need to do is is take some deep breaths, sit down, If you're driving, pull over. Uh, Don't be driving when you get the news. Uh, You can't be doing two things at once. And I can tell you, you will not be thinking clearly at the moment you get the news. You'll be in shock. So you need to pull over. You need to, if you're doing something, you need to remove yourself from that situation. Just say, hey, um, go to somebody and say, hey, I I need to step away. If they truly need to know let them know hey i just found out so-and-so passed away in my family i need to you know and and get yourself in this place where you can sit and think and breathe and we'll talk about breathing patterns uh, and breathing uh, processes and how we can learn to breathe better in another episode not just for death and grieving process uh, purposes but also for sport for our health and so forth but you need to breathe you need to take some deep breaths in and you need to hold them and let them out slowly and hold it and go into almost like box breathing because you will get over overstimulated over intense the intense pain will be so much that you will literally it's like an injury um, you wouldn't be driving if you got injured you would pull over quickly the same happens in the case of finding out grief you know, news of a loss or a death. Those who, and I'll have additional episodes talking about ways to process, the next step I would tell you is get a counselor. You should have somebody in mind already. Start researching who can you go for. Certainly, you know, marriage counseling is there, um, mental health counseling. You need to have somebody in place that you're going to be able to go to counseling. Going through loss by yourself Uh, Without going through counseling, especially if it's the first couple of really close losses, uh, close relationships, father, mother, child, brother, um, very close friend or family member. If you go through it without counseling, you won't really go through it. And there are things that you can, can grow and learn And yes, counseling costs money, and that's why we want to have a good person, somebody that's qualified, not just taking our paycheck, you know, our our credit card, but is really there to assist. So, research ahead of time who you would go to for counseling, because if it comes down to you doing this when you're going through grief, it'll be very, very difficult for you to do. So you have a place for a doctor, you have a place for a dentist, you have a place for an eye doctor, you need a place situated and set up, not only for yourself, but your family members for going through counseling and grief counseling. Um, I think it's a number one of the biggest things, I, it changed, my, uh, changed for me uh, when I went through my divorce counseling, I didn't expect to learn about you know, grief of my dad 20 years earlier. And yet it changed my life. And I i really was freed for the first time from a lot of that baggage that I carried, a lot of things I didn't even realize I was carrying around. And uh, so its it really saved my psyche, saved my mind, saved my life, frankly. And so I want to encourage you, but get that in place now. Uh, start to shop around the people, and yes, maybe that changes. Maybe you're you know you don't go through the grief for twenty years, and the person you pick retires. Keep that always updated and uh, somewhere that is easily findable, so that we'll, the next call after close family, a priest or pastor, uh, call the counselor and schedule to get grief counseling started right away. Okay, so now we are. Let's take, I have to take a look here. We're about 33 minutes. I want to spend a little bit of time talking to those who are trying to assist those going through grief. One of the things that's difficult when somebody goes through grieving is what do we say? Do we say anything? Should I bring it up? I don't want them to cry. I don't want to bring extra tears. I don't want to rip the scab off of what's going on. Number one. The number one thing people can do is be there. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to do anything. You know, directly. You can simply be in the person's presence, and it can be uncomfortable if you're not the one grieving. It can be uncomfortable to have somebody just talking and suddenly break into tears, or uh, someone is is just sitting there and they're they're quiet and they're not saying anything you need to get comfortable being uncomfortable because your friend or your family member needs that. That's what they need. And just like you would help them or rescue them from the mountaintop and do whatever is necessary to help them. In this case, just being there is first and foremost, because if people don't have others with them that they can uh, talk with, be with, cry with, um, you're leaving a person alone in, in, in one of the most traumatic situations you can go through. And so just be there. The other thing that I would tell people is be, try to be conscious about what you say to the people. So we always want to try to make things better. You're not going to make it better. Let me just tell you unequivocally, you're not going to make things better with your words because the person has just lost something. They've lost a valuable person. They've lost their mother of so many years, their father of so many years, their child who they, you know, was born and raised by them. Their their sibling who they grew up with. You're not going to make it better. So what we can do is be there, be there, you know, in, in union with them, just as a, a body, a support. So, one of the things I want to list for those of you who are going through this, and it's always a good reminder for me, too, even though I've gone through you know grief and such, I don't always remember. And so I have to go back to my list here, and it would be worthwhile to even write this down on a little list so that you have kind of a grief book so you can look at it. Um, what things not to say. Uh, or actually, let me let me take a different tact. Let me go first with what are things you could say. So things you can say is basically just simply, I am so sorry for your loss. Please know that I'm here for you and I care for you. That's it. You can also say, I can't imagine what you're going through right now, but I want you to know you don't have to go through it alone. I'm here to support you in any way I can. Another one, your parent was such an amazing person and will be deeply missed. I know how much you love them and how much they loved you. And I'm here to listen or help in any way I can. And if you need to really have a long-winded thing, you can say it's okay to take time to grieve and process your emotion. Everyone grieves differently. There's no right or wrong way to do it. Just know I'm here to support in any way I can. That way, it, it puts all of it to the person. You're telling them that basically... Uh, you're sorry for the loss and that you're here to help or here to listen. Things you shouldn't say, and we all do, we all have. I know how you feel. Let me tell you, no, you don't. I've experienced every kind of loss imaginable, and yet, I can't say that to the person because my experience of grief we might have both lost both lost parents but our situations are completely different so I can't know how they feel I can know the emotion of 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 the steps of loss or shock or denial but I can't know how they're, they 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 feel another one is at least they're not suffering anymore You know, I I heard that when my dad passed away. People say, well, at least he's not suffering, but he's gone. And, And I couldn't express it at the time, but it made me really angry as I got older and when I was going through my divorce counseling, because it's like, even if a person's ill and they're not in pain, it minimizes the grief the person's feeling. And really, genuinely, it's more for your benefit to not feel bad about, you know, uh, or, or it's like you trying to minimize how bad you feel versus actually allowing the person and being there in the midst of their pain. Another one I've heard that you shouldn't say, everything happens for a reason. Nobody wants to hear that when they have a loss. Okay. That, again, it, it's, it's frankly a pithy statement to say everything happens for a reason. It's simply something at this moment doesn't need to be said. Okay? Yeah, everything happens for a reason. But at the moment, the person's in pain. They don't need to hear uh, any logical stuff of what happened or why it happened. What they need to know is that they have support for the suffering and the pain they feel and the loss. Another one is, especially with older people, they lived a long life. Well, my dad was 48 when he was killed. My mom was 82 when she died. The emotion of loss was the same. It might have been a little bit different because of what I lost in time, but the actual emotion didn't change. So telling me my mom lived a long life didn't change the loss any differently than losing my dad when I was 16. So just avoid saying that. And then finally, they're in a better place. Again, they might be. I believe my dad's in heaven, my mom's in heaven, my brother's in heaven, and so forth. Whatever your belief system is, you believe. But telling a person that they're in a better place, again, we're talking about loss and about the person that's in front of us, our friend, our family member, or somebody that we know. It would be better to just not even say a word to the person or just say, I'm really sorry for your loss and leave it at that than to add any of these other phrases. Uh, So, be there for the person. Focus on listening to them. Or just do things like put together a meal train. Uh, pick up kids. Uh, do their laundry. Do their lawn care. Take care of tasks that so they don't have to. Uh, or order, order a meal prep. Uh, one of the best gifts when my son uh, passed away was, um some of the ladies from my CrossFit gym, uh, one of the owners, Kaylee Lovelady, and um, uh, uh, Angie Thorpe and uh, Katie Emmons, three of the ladies I want to shout out to here on the podcast, they, they just made a plan to get me meals so that I didn't have to cook. And so they got me two and three meals a day for a two-week period, two, the two weeks following my son's death. And you know what? It was freeing. It was great because I didn't have to think about eating. And I know myself well enough that in grief, I don't eat very well. Um, it's kind of the last thing on my mind. So, if you do that, that would be so beneficial to pre- have prepared meals or just get meal prep. There's plenty of places around your area where you could basically just get a family style meal put together and delivered to them. And that's just one less thing they have to deal with. Those are the kind of things that you can do and help with and avoid saying the things that you shouldn't say. Uh, And again, we'll make mistakes, but in as much as possible, be there. Don't worry about trying to make them feel better because you're not going to do that. Instead of going further, uh, I'm going to do a second podcast about additional things that we can do to help those who are grieving If you're listening to this and you are in the process of grieving, first of all, I want to tell you that I'm sorry. And I'm sorry for your loss. Whether it's a a parent, a child, a sibling, a close friend, whatever you're going through, I'm so sorry. I do also want to say that if you are feeling depressed and you haven't reached out to someone, please do. If you do feel any kind of sense of uh, depression or despondency that would cause you to her- harm yourself or others, there is the uh, suicide hotline you could certainly reach out to. I will put that in the show notes. Otherwise, reach out to somebody and tell them directly and honestly where you're at. If it comes down to it, call 911. As much as that seems like uh too much or outlandish to do, I can tell you anything to help you in the midst of this intense pain you're feeling is worth it, and you're worth it. Death and grieving is hard. It's very hard. It's part of life. You know, I've, I've had three grandkids grow, uh, born this year, March, April, and May. I've lost a son uh, the day after my, the first of the three grandkids were born, and the, the next morning I found out my son had died in his sleep. So I, I've experienced birth and death. My uh, second son and his wife had one of my grandsons in uh, April, and sadly, and intensely, sadly, her mom just passed away very suddenly. And so we're dealing with grief there also, and the loss of a beloved mother, grandmother, wife. And I want you to know, all, all of you who are listening, if you haven't experienced it, I'm so thankful. And you need to re-listen to the last podcast and celebrate and spend time with your family. You will, just because it's life, face loss. And hopefully a little bit of this podcast and this information can help you. If you have lost many like me, I hope that you will honor them in your life, in your actions, in your words, remembering their deaths, but also remembering the life and the the very things that they gave you, the gifts they gave you. taught you and made you who you are. If you're not doing very good in that sense, this is your chance to start again and begin to honor them through your life. If you are doing well, keep it up, keep going, keep honoring them and relaying to your children uh, the significance of this mother, father, child, brother, sister, aunt, uncle, whomever you, you grieve. Pass it along so that they understand. Thank you so much for listening. This is Jonathan Kregel. This is the Unleash the Kregel podcast. And I just want you to know that I care for each of you. Many of you I've never met, but I want you to know that you're cared for, you're loved, you're important. Not only to having you listen to my podcast, but also to all of those that you're close to. If you'd like to follow us, you can follow us on Instagram at Unleash the Craigle. You can also follow us on YouTube at Unleash the Craigle. You can email us at Unleash the Craigle at gmail.com. Feel free to send any comments. If you could, please subscribe to each of our pages, Instagram, YouTube. Uh, send us any comments via email. Subscribe, like the, our podcasts. On our the various platforms, we'll have it on YouTube. This will be on all the major platforms: Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and so forth. Also, if you could share with your family and friends, that would be great. We would love that. It would allow us to produce even more content and reach even more people. Again, thank you again for listening. We will talk more about grief and some more processes and more steps. I'm hoping it helps. Until I talk to you next, take care of yourself, take care of each other, and when at all possible, please be kind to each and every one, even those you only meet on the street. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you soon.